Welcome to the Career Medis Podcast. This is Nisar Ahmad, your host, and uh, this is episode 66 of the Career Medis Podcast, and we are continuing um, another episode in the Leadership Expert Series, um, and where in this, in this particular series in the past, I've spoken to leadership experts, leadership consultants, coaches. They share their insights, and with their insights, we are able to learn ideas and tips that we can use to... Uh, help take our careers to the next level. And for today's Leadership Expert Series episode, I'm interviewing Karen Balancic, uh, and her business is called Spiral Impact. Uh, she will be giving us a detailed de- description and introduction of herself, but here's a brief bio. Uh, Karen has consulted, trained, and coached inside organizations for 20-plus years, um, mainly focusing on propelling leaders and their teams ahead of the curve in terms of performance and innovation. And the business Spiral Impact, Karen's unique method combines physics with martial art concepts for an eye-opening take on the way we engage with each other and with life circumstances. Um, Hey, Karen, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Nassar, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, so one, of, I, I, there's a lot of things I want to ask before we even get into leadership. But the first question I always ask my guest, Karen, is where are they calling from? So where are you calling from? I am calling from Indianapolis, Indiana, right okay. in the middle of the country. I mean, I should say the middle of the United States. <laughs> okay, that's uh, that's that's great to hear, uh, and it's uh, I think it's one of the largest cities in the U.S. Uh, is that correct in terms of size and population? We are about the eleventh or twelfth um, largest city in the states. So, yeah, not the largest, but we are up there. We are up there. I think we've got about a million people in our city proper. Or is it 11? I, you know what? Don't quote me on that. Maybe it's 11 million. <laughs> oh. so, so could you share with us, for some of us like me who have never been there, uh, maybe a, a fun fact that most people would not know about uh, your city? Well, I'll tell you, Indianapolis, I guess a fun fact about it is, is that most people, the first time they come here, are amazed at what a beautiful, exciting city that we have. And I heard some statistics in May where we, when we host one of the largest sporting events in the world, um, which is the Indianapolis 500, I heard that 70% of people that visit Indianapolis for the first time come back because they like it so well. And so we have an amazing downtown area that has a zoo, it has an NFL stadium, it has an NBA stadium, it has many museums and canals and walking areas. And, you know, when we hosted the Super Bowl, um, the whole entire city and region was ready for all these people. And what we found is nobody left downtown because they love downtown so much. So, and it's, and it's easy. I'm probably should go to work for the Chamber of Commerce, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you, you're definitely doing a great job promoting the city. Yeah. Uh, so like, you should be like a brand ambassador for the city. Yes, you're a Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. I think the Tourism Board would be also be a good, uh, good place to start. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 
Thanks for sharing that. I always love to learn about the new cities that uh, from from the guests. Uh, many of them, many of the cities that I haven't visited, so it, it gives me more perspective. Yeah. Um, now, go, getting into the interview, uh, it'll be great if you can share a little bit uh, about yourself, uh, your background, how you got into this world of leadership consulting and coaching. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I am passionate about understanding how things work. And I have been since I was young. Um, and I, you know, I, my first career, I was an engineer. I studied in mechanical engineering in school. And I worked for a, a division of General Motors for the first 10 years of my career. And fascinating work, understanding how things move and connect and, and function and how to improve those types of performances. But what I realized in that environment, and actually I should say I was the first female engineer at the division that I worked at, what I realized in that work is how much the communication, the interpersonal communication had a huge impact on whether people really engaged and created together. And so often people's inability to deal with conflict and and engage with each other in a, in a positive way really held things back and I think created a lot of frustration and I think a lot of loss in terms of innovation and quality of work life, quite honestly. So um, so I ended up um, studying with a man out of Colorado named Tom Crum who wrote this book called The Magic of Conflict. And I actually met him at a dental conference. Uh, my, my husband was in dentistry and it had such a huge impact on my life. I just decided this is my next career. And so that was right about the time that I, you know, I was having children and stuff like that. And so, so I um, really made a radical shift in careers. And, you know, one of the, one of the considerations I used when I thought about branding my company was the physics of relationship, because often I get asked, how do you make such a big career change. And in some ways it's different, but in some ways it's a lot alike because I, I'm looking at how do things work? And so used to be, I'd look at, you know, electrons and, and materials and all that stuff and, and processing. But now I look at people and how do people engage in order to get the best outcome? So that's a little bit about me. And, and, um, I am, I am a martial artist. I started practicing a martial art called Aikido about 27 years ago. And Aikido really informs my work. And again, Aikido um, is an art about self-development. It's all based upon spirals and moving, moving in a way that's the, it's not about force. It's really about power. I guess I could say in a nutshell. And, and that makes my work really fun because when I speak to groups and I work in person, um, you know, I get up, I get people up looking at, you know, how do they engage in some really simple kind of movements? So it brings the work very much to life. Hmm. Hence the name Spiral Impact. Right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And uh, I, I, actually, I was going to ask you that question uh, mm-hmm. because I've seen some of uh, the introductory video on your website. You, uh-huh. you, you use a lot of the martial arts concepts. So it is pretty unique what you do mm-hmm. uh, because what, and I love the fact, like I, I have an engineering background uh, mm-hmm. and I love the fact when, you know, uh, it's not, you're not explaining a concept, but you're also explaining the why behind the concept. So someone like me, that really, really resonates 
Uh-huh. It's not just, oh, do this and you become a better leader, which, uh, or do this and you become better. Do this, why, why you should do this, why it works. Yeah, and, and, and then actually be able to experience that on a lot of different levels, I think. So people can get up and experience, you know, what does it feel like physically? What is it, you know, how do you put that into words? And what does it feel like emotionally doing that? So uh-huh. we hit, you know, I hit all those, all those in my training sessions um so one thing i do have to say because um i uh, the people close to me know this i haven't shared this a lot publicly but i i love martial arts and i i I have to admit i'm a very very beginner i did spend a couple of months in a camp trying to learn different martial arts and aikido was one of them and and that was my first time and my perception of aikido like martial arts changed because everything else is about force, kung fu, krav maga, karate. Aikido is about using your your uh, the uh, the opponent's strength, and uh, it just uh, opened up my mind. Um, so I should not be speaking a lot about martial arts because I'm a student at the basic yeah. level. Uh, you are an expert here. That's another reason I was excited when I saw your bio to do this interview. Yes, yes. Well, I know. And it's, 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 Aikido is fascinating. And I think my whole life I was, I was intrigued with martial arts, but I was a little too afraid maybe to get, that I'd get hurt. And when I learned about Aikido, I just was so, you know, intrigued with the whole thing. Uh And actually I heard about it about 10 years before I started practicing because there wasn't any Aikido here in Indianapolis and um, and now there's still not a lot of Aikido in Indianapolis, but we have a pretty strong dojo here that um, I, I just, you know, I just love the engagement and practice is fun. And I have a certain advantage in my practice because I am a woman and I can't muscle my way through technique. And I find some of my, my male counterpoints, they, they can force technique and they don't, you know, and they think they get it, but they really don't. And I don't mean to criticize my, my, my um, Aikidoka partners, but um, it doesn't really require strength at all to do Aikido effectively. It really requires um, a willingness to, to stay centered with yourself and be able to move and be, um, be flexible. And I would like to expand on that be, be flexible part uh, in, in a moment. But before that, since our core discussion today is about leadership, yeah, uh, I would love to, because you, you sort of progressed into this career. Now you teach others. Um, what does leadership mean to you, Karen? Like when, you, when someone says leadership to you, how, what does it represent? You know, leadership is providing, you know, the vision and the, and the, the energy towards something, but it's also, I, I really like the concept of servant leadership from the standpoint of, I think really great leaders bring their people forward and bring their people up. And so to me, a leader is someone that people naturally want to be with and follow in terms of whatever it is that they're involved in. But that leader also has that, that, that idea and that willingness to really bring their people forward with them. And so that's one of the things in, in my work, I, I work with leaders to help them coach their people. And I always, I always like to look at people and, and help them dream about where they want to be and what's, you know, what's their next step in their career. So I see that as being a leader, as, as really being able to engage people to move toward 
a vision of some kind and and empower and grow those people in the process. So that's that's my idea of leadership. So Karen, you did mention about um, vision. You spoke about a leadership from an individual perspective. So what I'm hearing is it's when you said servant leadership and all these words, you just explain leadership. It's it's less about you leading a team, but it's more about the people in your team and let more about others. Did I, did I understand that correct? Yes, you did. You did. And you know, as I work in organizations today, I, what, what I see is really a lack of really great people for people to hire. I mean, when you're talking about career, I can say to to your listeners is really prepare yourself and 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 learn all you can about yourself, your communication, whatever your trade is, because there if you, if you know about yourself and you know how to engage, you become an extremely valuable employee. And and I encourage my leaders to really look at the people that report up to them, and who are those people that ha- that they can continue to develop. Because we need more people to be taking on those roles of more responsibility and, again, mentoring the people that work for them. Because the funnel, there's never enough, enough people, enough quality people in that funnel. So did I also hear that as a leader, your job is also to develop other leaders? Is that, is that what, I, what is implied when you say, look at who, is, who else is in your team? Oh, yes. Yes. You know, because if you if you don't do that, then when you're gone, things don't, you know, things that that you created just kind of die away. So I was always thinking about who's, who's the next person to carry this vision forward. So that's actually very timely to what we are discussing, right? So I want I if you look at what's happening today in the world, uh, when you hear leadership, there's there's the uh, there's force, there is authority, and that's a common perception, right? And someone, let's say, listening to this, they are thinking, wait, I'm not there yet. I don't have a title and I don't have the authority. Um, so, but, but what you're saying is, you know, it, it doesn't have to be that way. No, not at all. And and I guess you have to look at the culture that you're working in. But I would I encourage people always, you know, don't wait to be told what to do come up with solutions and ideas and present those. Um, Because, you know, as a leader, you know, I do a lot of work in healthcare and the leadership, they have a very full plate. And if you're one of the employees that comes in and comes in with problems, wanting your leader to solve them, you're just creating more issues for your leader to have to deal with more, more time. Your leader's got to do this. But if you go in and saying, Hey, this is going on and this is what I recommend that we do. And I just want your blessings or whatever. Um, go for it. Um, because that's, that what's, that's what puts you in a leadership role of, of looking at how do we solve these problems? How do we move forward? Because in leadership, you're not one, you know, you're, you're not going to rise to the top and you certainly would have a difficult time having your own company if you're not coming up with solutions on a regular basis. So I always encourage people to take, you know, take the bull by the horn and, and create solutions. And again, I do know that there are people that would like to go to work, do their job and go home. 
Um, so I guess you got to decide what it is that you want. But if you're interested in being in leadership, you know, there's no time like the present to become a leader. And a leader is one that, that looks at, okay, so we got this going on. And, you know, what are we going to, what, what's, what's the solution here? I know there's a solution. So how do I figure that out? You know, and, and owning it because, you know, I've, I've had several people that I've coached over, you know, many years and it's not uncommon. Well, I'm not sure what I should do. Nobody's told me. And it's like, well, Hey, own it, create it. Um, would rather be told, Hey, back off than to, <laughs> than to just think, well, this person doesn't have a lot to contribute. Yeah, it's it's the uh, the saying, right? It's be- better to uh, ask for a beg, uh, sorry, um, beg for forgiveness rather than ask for permission. Because mm-hmm. if you do more, at least they'll tell you. But it's much better than not doing anything at all or not taking initiative. Right, right, absolutely. And I, I want to um, just highlight that because it is key. Because someone. Uh, listening to this might say, oh, I don't have the title. I am, I'm just a member of a team which has 10, 10 people. But uh, the key takeaway here is if you're proactive, you always come up with solutions, um, you are building up that capital. And eventually, you know, they, they see you're proactive, you're valuable. And when they are looking for whom to promote, promote they will be looking at you. That's right. That's right. And and I should also say, you know, when I work with, with organizations, um, you know, kind of depending on what, what the premises that I'm coming in under, um, one of the things I do is I like to interview people and, and I always ask for who are the informal leaders? Because every team, every group of people have people that are, they may not have a title, but they're there are people that everyone looks to for informal leadership. And that's, that's a really a great role to have. And, and I encourage people to, to do that. And so that not only is that being proactive around problem solving, it's also about having good relationships with your coworkers. And that's where that whole thing of really knowing how to engage with not just your superiors, but also your coworkers, so you you have positive engagement, and and so those engagement skills, those communication skills, are so important to really prepare yourself. And I'll have a, you know, a lot of people that I work with that are hiring people will say, I've got to hire on the soft skills because those are the harder ones to um, develop in someone that I'm hiring for a manager position than someone that. You know, I can teach almost anything, anybody, any kind of technical, you know, within reason or process that we're doing. What I need are people that are, you know, they're initiators and their engagement with people and with process and with all of that. That's actually a very interesting point because I work uh, in a, in a software company and there are people who code and people like me who sell. And if you look at developers they are taught uh, or being trained that are core there are uni- there are programs out there to teach them how to code there are sales training programs for people like me uh, but at the end of the day uh, the the secret sauce or that will take you ahead in your career those skills are important but you have to take it upon yourself to build your soft skills leadership being one of them yes yes okay absolutely uh, 
I also want to ask you about mindset because uh, someone listening to this, so you've given them the tangible step, right? If you are in a team, you want to become a leader, take action. Uh, however, uh, I, I speak to a lot of individuals and uh, they, they struggle with the mindset. They struggle with the confidence level. Uh, they are afraid to speak up even though they have good ideas. How, how do you recommend they handle that? <laughs> that you know, mindset is huge. And let me, um, let me gather my thoughts here for a second. You know, for myself, I spend time every morning checking my mindset because I know it's, it's, it's how I begin my days that really di- dictate how my days go. And, and how I do that is I really think through and what, what I appreciate in my world and I, I actually do journaling where I, I sit down and I, I do an appreciation journal every morning because that puts me in a mindset of expansion and gratitude. And that may sound airy-fairy to some of your folks, but I will tell you, and you, I think you can hear that from a lot of leadership coaches. Uh-huh. The other thing is in terms of gaining the confidence, I, I think gaining the confidence – uh, and that's where I think my model of spiral impact really comes in. I think you've got to think about a spiral impact. The model has, has four primary, what I call quadrants, and they are knowledge, focused energy, support, and intention. And while the, the model's simple, but it's also very, there's lots of layers to it. But one of the things I think, you know, that's going on at Google right now uh-huh. Um, and I, you know, by the, by the time you publish this, this podcast, who knows what'll be going on in the world or with Google, but I read the manifesto that the man wrote recently. And, and I, you know, I, as a female engineer, I, I was personally rather surprised that he would be so bold to make some of his suggestions. And I thought, well, what was his intent on the manifesto? And I wonder if he would have thought through his intent if he might have approached it differently. And, and I think he was probably writing out of a point of frustration over something that is there and really offering criticism of it. But if he would have posed it as, I, you know, I have an intent that we get better at this. Um, I, I, I recognize that maybe our diversity program could be better than it is, and my intent is to engage so that we can improve it. Um, whereas the manner in which my perspective was that he, he kind of um, approached it with a lot of critical thinking, which a lot of times people think is a good thing. But I think if you approach anything, first thinking through what's my intent of even speaking, and, you know, a lot of times when I, I think myself about saying something to somebody, I think through, well, what's my intent on doing that? And a lot of times the intent is, is it, it's not really worth talking about. You know, so if my intent is to make somebody wrong or to bring something down, you know, that's fine, but be, just be aware of it and be aware of what the consequences are. So to me, gaining the confidence is really getting clear on the intent of what you're going to say. And then 
you know, then the other part of that is really making sure that you're asking questions before you jump in and, 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 and share your conclusions on that. So, and I, and that's, you know, that's one of the things when you think about spiral impact, frequently when I speak, I will bring a hammer and a nail and a screw and a screwdriver. And I'll talk about how do we go about doing things. And the hammer and the nail is the force. And it takes a lot of direct, you know, it's a lot of direct force that drives that nail through. If you miss the mark at all, somebody gets hurt. And it could be you. Um, Whereas the screw and the screwdriver, that's the spiral. And there's a lot of stability in that as you drive that screw into the, into the wood, you know, you bring the wood toward you as well as going into the wood. So there's a really deep connection and nobody's likely to get hurt in that scenario. And the most important thing is to look at the long-term results. The long-term results are with a spiral, you, you know, you have, you know, if you subject that wooden joint to the elements of time, which is temperature change, moisture, vibration, you lose holding power. But with a spiral, you keep it. I I should say with a straight line, with a nail, you lose holding power. But with that screw, the spiral, you you have better holding power. And so, so that's really about the confidence is about asking questions so you really increase your knowledge and being really clear on intent. So, um, and then, you know, in my model... Um, again, that spiral is a very profound analogy. And when you think about weather patterns, we've got tornadoes and hurricanes, there's that being the calm eye of the storm. And that's something I, I work deeply with people in terms of how do they develop themselves to, to be in the calm eye of the storm rather than those windy bands. And And so those, to me, all three of those things are, about how do you build confidence? You know, you get clear on your intent and you ask questions and acknowledge and really make sure that you know what your audience is expecting um, and, you know, and being centered. And of course, support is a whole nother thing with that. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely makes sense. And if I can, uh, when I listen to that, the takeaway for me is you talk about intent. And if I can uh, give an analogy is uh, no matter any team you are, there's going to be some type of conflict because if there are five people, everybody has different ideas. Uh Uh, If your intent is to prove someone wrong, it doesn't, uh, and speaking up may not be the best thing. But if your intent is to, uh, move the team forward and uh, move the company, move the clients and make the customer happy. Uh, then when you communicate that way, the impact of that communication would be different, right? Did I get absolutely. that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And I think so often, you know, particularly if you're a creative person, you're an engineer, I'm an engineer, you know, and by nature we learn to problem solve. If we get too attached to our solution, uh-huh. we miss out on other people's input. And, and I always find that, you know, when you've got more than one person creating and, and you know, you get something better. You know, there's a, a really wonderful Steve Jobs video when he was um, at Next. And it showed him and his top designers having a meeting about where they were going. And I love that video because 
because it really showed how they, they so productively engaged with each other and sharing ideas. And you could feel that there was, the intent was about moving forward and the, the, the intent of creativity was there. And it, you didn't get the feeling at all that one person was trying to monopolize that. You, could, you really got, this was a group of people that were willing to hear each other and engage. And that, that to me is what you, what you want to do if you're going to be an innovative company. So you want to, and, and that's the piece, you know, and if you, if you visit my website, I, you'll notice that I talk about mastering the art of conflict. And a lot of people say, what do you mean by that? We don't want to have conflict. And the fact is, if you don't have conflict, you don't have innovation. And because if, if you just think about it, you know, when the healthcare laws in the United States changed, I'll tell you, a lot of innovation happened to, to how do we take money? How do we take costs out of healthcare? How do we, you know, how do I take better care of myself? You know, so there's, there's, there's usually there's no movement unless there's something that people want that's different than what they have. And so conflict is a good thing. The, the problem is, is that most people think of conflict as destructive or critical conflict. And there's a difference in that. And, and that's what I, in my work, help people understand is they got to engage and you can engage in a way that honors or you can engage in a way that, that destroys. And that's your choice. But so often people don't, they don't know that middle road with where you can engage and not tear people apart. So, you know, that's exciting to me. Uh, thanks for covering that because I was going to ask you about conflict and uh-huh. what I heard is if you don't have conflict, you don't have innovation or you don't have growth. And the analogy that came to my mind is, you know, physical fitness or exercise. Uh, it's, what you're doing is you're not necessarily staying at rest. You're pushing your body to do different things. But with that comes growth. You feel better. You're healthy. Uh, same thing can be applied to a work setting or a business setting. Yeah, um, is that a good analogy? I mean, does that make? Did I summarize that very well? Like conflict <laughs> is very. Uh, don't look at conflict because most people avoid it. Don't look at conflict as a negative. Look at that as something positive that moves you forward. Right, it it, it is a positive thing, and I'm not sure about the analogy with physical exercise. Well, I like that. Mm-hmm. You, do, you do build muscle when you when you when you lift weights and work. But I also know you can also burn a muscle out if you overdo it. So I guess from that standpoint, um, because I. <laughs> that is true. That yeah, is true. right. But it's, I, I think it's, it's um, well, you know, it's just like, you know, it's just like business. So, you know, here we are sitting on the, you know, we're both sitting at a computer talking about a, con- a you know, a thing. And so what's, what's the conflict, you know, for me, the whole conflict is this, how do I get my word out there more? Because I'd like to, I'd like to grow my message. So there's that push for me. And then on your end, you've got this wonderful thing about career and careers and leadership. And so, you know, what's the conflict that you're dealing with that you're addressing in your work? Very interesting. See, that, that is why I am, a student and a host and you're the expert because you, oh. can explain, <laughs> you can explain it better than I did. So that is great. Uh, that's yeah. totally true. That's a great analogy. And it just uh, hit, hit home well for me. And I always, 
Well, I always learn something new from these interviews. And for me, you, you changed my perspective on conflict. Yeah. Uh, and I hope anyone listening to this, uh, they also get that as well. Yeah. Well, the, the woman that connected us, Julia Jackson, who's just a, a, a wonderful human being. You know, when I first was talking with her and telling her what it was I do, I said, well, you know, really my core message is master the art of conflict and you can do any, any that that's the heart of any leadership skill is, is mastering conflict. When you think about it, uh-huh. it's, it's, if you can do that, you can do anything. And she said, oh, you mean conflict management? And I said, no, I don't want to manage it. I want to master it. <laughs> and then she said, oh, you mean conflict resolution? And I said, well, really, I really want to engage with people so they really understand what conflict is and what do they do when it happens and how do they actually um, engage with people in a way that's honorable conflict or what I call innovative conflict, because it's important. And she said, okay, I get that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, because it's, it's um, a lot of times it's, um, I, I think a, a, a high-performing team knows how to do that. There are people that, that work together that understand each other and know the limits that they can, you know, they can push each other before they shut people down. And, and so, but no push at all is, yeah, there's, there's nothing that happens. So, I mean, it's like, it's kind of like the wheel. I don't know who invented the wheel, but, you know, they probably got tired of carrying rocks up the hill, right? So that was their conflict is, you know, how do I preserve my strength? Because I, you know, carrying rocks up a hill is really difficult. So what did they do? They, they invented a way of, 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 of utilizing something round so it could be rolled rather than carried. So those, you know, all those things, you know, I mean, I think about, you know, when I was young, my dad installed central air conditioning in our house and, you know, conflict that used to be a long time ago was in the heat of the summer, productivity really went down. So, you know, how do you, how do you address that? Just feeling sweaty and awful. (laughs) You create a way to, how do I cool down a house? So, so all those things, um, you know, I mean, and even looking at the smartphones that we all carry around, you know, that was, you know, how do we be more mobile? How do we get information uh, in a way that, that I can consume, um, whether it's information or entertainment, in a way that's convenient for me? So those are all, you know, those are all conflicts of, you know, again, when I was, when I was growing up, we didn't have VCRs. And, <laughs> you know, the Wizard of Oz was on once a year. And we, you know, everyone went to wherever they would they could to watch the wizard of oz because if you didn't see it that one time it played you missed it so in some ways that actually created some more intrigue but um but now we can consume anything about just about any time of day or night so i i love the examples because now you just the way i way I, if i can conclude that is you know uh the more the more we master conflict and solve more problems, it does move us forward as humans. You know, new innovation, new changes, positive changes. Yeah, it does. And you know, something that when I'm I'm working with, I'm actually working with a group right now in a, a big change process. And one of the things that I'm I'm asking the folk, the people, what do you do in your work that's really annoying? 
And, and, you know, that's a really good question. And what we find is there's all kinds of things that people do that are annoying that really, you know, we can get rid of those things or we can change how we're doing them. Uh-huh. And that, and that's what we find is, you know, we've been doing this for, you know, we've, we've always done this in this way, but when you start investigating, well, how did that start and what, what value are people really using this anymore? And so, so things change. And, and so asking yourself, um, you know, what's, what do you do that's annoying or what do you do in your work that you think is dumb? You know, I mean, that's something I heard Mary Barra, the CEO of General Motors say um, in May, she was here speaking and she said, someone asked, well, what do you, what do you learn from millennials? And she said, well, we've started a list that we call it's, it's the dumb list in our millennials really created that because they'd say this, this, why are we doing this? This is dumb. (laughs) And, and, you know, really, again, that it's that edge of, you know, you're as an employee, you're getting, you're having to do something that is annoying or dumb. And so what are you going to do differently? You know, so that's, that's again, a way of uh, conflict is a good teacher, because if you, you didn't feel any angst about that, you wouldn't be looking to do it differently. Yeah, definitely. And uh, that, that's a great takeaway for myself and any, anyone listening is uh, think back to what you're doing at work and how you can improve. And there you go. You be talk, we are tying this back to what we spoke initially, you know, solving problems. Uh-huh. Uh, and that, that dumb question could be a great takeaway for anyone like listening to this and in, in, in let's let's I usually release my episodes on Saturdays and they listen to this on Monday they go back to work what are the, some of the things that that are dumb that we can improve there you go you have your path to leadership right there start looking at those problems solving those problems yeah right solving the problems and having great relationships perfect those are, those are the things to to tell you know your listeners how do you want to be successful those are two things yeah. Well, Karen, we have covered a lot of information today, which is great. And uh, before we, uh, we are coming to the end of the inf- uh, interview. Uh, mm-hmm. Before we wrap up, uh, two questions. Any last words, anything that we did not mention today? And also, how can they find you? How can the listeners find you? Okay, well, so I'll answer the, the, the easiest question first, which is, um, the, you know, Spiral Impact is my website. And I think I, think I just have my web- website redone. There's a lot of information there. There's actually an opportunity to take a, a couple surveys um, and have a, a consultation with me if you'd like. There are videos there that I think are quite interesting. There's also a free download of a giving giving deliberate feedback for leaders. Um, if, you, if you sign up for that, there'll be a little pop-up screen that, that'll show you that. There's also, I do a spiral question twice a week on Monday and Wednesdays that you can, you can subscribe to. And I also have, um, you know, I, I, I do occasionally do webinars, and I, I've, been, I've been a little bit away from that, but it's kind of coming back to me of a, of a great way to, again, spread my word. So if you're on my mailing list, you'll know that those are coming up. The other thing is I do have a package of my products that you can't get a better price on or even buy some of the stuff on there that's a special on my, on, on my products page. So that's, that's about, about me, Spiral Impact, easy to remember, much easier than my 
last name, which is also <laughs> KarenValensic.com, take you to the same place. So, and I'm also on LinkedIn. So, so final thoughts, because your, your audience are people that are either in career transition or they're, um, they're beginning their careers. And, and I think, you know, just some kind of closing thoughts of, of people that, um, you know, that I've worked with. And, and I just finished, a, um, I just finished a three-year bout, not bout, three-year engagement with the Healthcare Business Women Association in which I was the director of their mentoring program, and, which I love doing. Um, but but as, you're, as you're growing, find people. Find, find people that can support you in that and people that can see your, the potential in who you are. Find people that, that encourage you and support you. And also recognize you might have a very specific career plan, um, and actually, we did a, a, a program last January. We called it the plan, the pivot, and the aha. And the, the plan was actually thinking through your life in terms of a time continuum. What is it you'd like to do? But we all, we all agree that, you know, sometimes life takes you in a different direction. So being flexible and being open and, and exploring is a, a really important part of that. And that's the pivot. And, and then, of course, we were promoting our mentoring program, and that was the aha, was actually having people that you can meet with, a board of advisors or a mentor group or, you know, just depending on what it is that you do, who, who are those trusted advisors that you have in your life? And I think those are things that are really important. So, so anyway, that's, I could, you know, obviously I could talk all day about the work that I do because i I love it. I'm passionate about it. And I love watching people grow. So I will, I will pause now because I know we're close to the end of our time. Karen, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, you very, um, I love the way how you explain your concepts, uh, ideas, very articulate, and you give convincing um, analogies to make those ideas stick. I learned a lot here. Yeah. Uh, it, it is a pleasure. And uh, you know, once again, thank you very much for being a guest. Oh, Nisar, thank you. It's been a privilege. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Career Matters Podcast. Uh, I have written a brief summary of the interview uh, with uh, the links uh, to Karen's website. If you enjoyed this episode and also learned something new, feel free to post a comment or a review. And if you really loved it, uh, and if you got something, got a main point out of this interview, uh, please uh, make sure to comment on that as well. Until next time, this is Nisar Ahmed, your host for the Career Medis Podcast. Thank you.